The vast majority of people in the world want to be good, but their method for becoming a good person only makes them a worse person. And that's true of both religious and secular people. What's your method for becoming a better person? Welcome to the Food for Your Soul podcast, where we apply the Word of God to the hearts of men and women to stoke the fires of your delight in Christ. Here's your host, Dr. D. Richard Ferguson. And what Paul's going to do at the beginning is he's going to start by showing us the opposite of rejoicing in the Lord. Sometimes that's the best way to learn what something is, is to see what the opposite looks like. And so that's what he's going to do. The opposite of rejoicing in the Lord is what these dogs do in verse 2 that Paul warns us against. Now he's going to warn us against these people, and he's going to call them dogs. Verse 2, watch out for those dogs. Watch out for those men who do evil. Watch out for the mutilators of the flesh. <laughs> why, why is so, Paul so worked up all of a sudden? I mean, he's not like this in the rest of the book. The whole rest of the book is so warm. His tone has just been warm and soft and happy all the way up to here. And from here on, this is really the only verse in the whole book where he's just real strong and harsh. He's called these people names. So this verse here really stands out. He not only calls them names, but he repeats the warning three times. For some reason, the NIV doesn't translate it all three times, but in the Greek, it's watch out is repeated all three times. It is watch out for those dogs. Watch out for those men who do evil. Watch out for the mutilators of the flesh. So Paul, Paul wrote watch out three times. We should translate it three times because we, want to, we need to see how earnest Paul is in, in warning us about the danger of these people. Who are these people and why does Paul call them evil-doing, flesh-mutilating dogs? I mean, why is he so upset? He's upset because this particular group of people was a group of teachers that ruined people's lives and destroyed churches wherever they went. And they dogged Paul's steps all through the New Testament. You can follow them. They're a group of people that the historians refer to as the Judaizers. They call them that because they were going around teaching people that in order to be a good person, basically what you have to do is become a Jew. You have to live like a Jew. And so they're trying to Judaize people. Living like a Jew means following certain laws in the Old Testament. So they're really big on these laws. They had a list of things you need to do. Number one on the list, circumcision. Because when you're circumcised, they believe that's what really sets someone apart as a Jew. That's what makes a person a Jew. So the Judaizers considered themselves Christians. These aren't just regular Jews. These are people in the church. They, they, they believe that Jesus was the Messiah. They believe he died on the cross for their sins, all of that. And, and they, they, they knew that the way to salvation, the only way to salvation is through Jesus Christ. They're teaching that. But you, you had to follow certain Old Testament laws as well, these ritualistic laws. That approach to becoming a good person and, and approaching God, righteousness through rituals, following a list of rules, is to this day the most common approach that people take to trying to become a good person. And if you want to put a label on it, we could just call it legalism, using the law to become a good person. Trying to become a person, trying to, trying to be what, do what's right before God and be in a good relationship with Him, following a bunch of laws or rules. Legalists put their confidence, the thing they lean on, the thing they put their confidence in, hold, hold as a badge of honor, is their religious observance. They have a righteousness of their own. They're doing it. 
They think I'm a good person in God's eyes because I go to church every Sunday, I was baptized, I put money in the offering, or if it's in the Catholic church, I'm a good person because I go, you know, I go to Mass and I say the Hail Marys and I, do, I stay away from all the taboos and I do all this stuff. Or for a Muslim, I'm a good person because I bow down and pray towards Mecca five times a day. If it's a Buddhist, I follow the Eightfold Path. And, and here's the thing that most people fail to understand. It doesn't have to be connected. Legalism does not have to be connected to any form of religion. Typically, it's not. Most secular people in our culture, even atheists and agnostics, naturalists, take this same approach, this exact same approach to trying to be a good person. They don't consider themselves religious, but they're just as legalistic as the most religious guy out there. They, don't, they, they think they're different. You know, they think, oh, we're so different from the religious people because the religious people, they believe in God, we don't believe in God. And they, they think they're different, but in reality, they're following just a slightly modified version of the same religious system. Hard legalism has a very specific list of rules that are written down and, and, and they're, they're, everyone knows it's the same for everybody. Soft legalism, it's a more general list and it's mostly unwritten rules. But, but, but trust me, they're rules, nonetheless. They're real rules. Um, hard legalism, you know, it'll say don't smoke, don't drink, chew, don't go with girls that do, all that kind of stuff. Don't watch these kind of movies, don't listen to that kind of music. That's what the hard legalist thinks makes him a good person, following all those rules. The soft legalist says, I'm a nice person. You know, I'm a good guy. I, I, I'm friendly. I don't cheat anybody. I don't do any drugs. I give money to the Salvation Army Santa Claus guy in front of Walmart every year. I, I'm a good person. Exactly the same system, just a different list of rules. See? So some people, maybe it's meditation or some kind of prayer ritual. Maybe it's uh, uh, living up to the standards that your parents set for you growing up. Or maybe it's some kind of... You know, don't trash the environment, be loyal to your family and your friends, get educated, uh, raise the minimum wage, recycle, you know, make sure you vote. And you, and you can vote for anybody you want, unless you vote for that other party, and then you're scum if you do that. And, and they, 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 would, they would never admit that they think that way because they want to imagine that they're actually open-minded, but as soon as they find out that you're aligned with that other political party, the one they don't vote for, then you're automatically a bad person. You're in the bad person category in their mind. Why? Why? Because voting the way they do, holding the things that they hold to, that's, their, that's, their, that's on their resume for why they're a good person, Right? And so if you don't do it, you have to be a bad person. Otherwise, their whole system is going to fall apart if that's not the definition of a good person. Everyone thinks that being a good person is about picking the best list. And, and so this religion has this list, that religion has that list, the secular people, the atheists, they have this list, and it's, it's all about picking the right list. But it's the same. The Bible exposes the fatal flaw in that system, that legalist system, the fatal flaw in every religion, the fatal flaw in every code of ethics, every method of trying to be a good person by following rules, hard or soft, either way. And that fatal flaw, it, it should be obvious. That, that flaw is, is simply this. It doesn't work. <laughs> it doesn't work. Making yourself good by keeping a list of standards does not work ever and deep down we all know this we all we know it's not working 
I've been doing this for years. It's not working. That's why we have to try, try so hard to convince ourselves that it is working, right? That's why when we fill out a form, the first thing we have to say is, I'm a good person, I'm a good person. I have, you know, if I'll say it enough times, maybe I'll believe it's true. We have, the reason we have such a hard time convincing ourselves that it's true is because it's not true. And it's obvious that it's not true. It's obvious. Just think about your life, whatever your list is, whoever you are, whatever your list is. Even if you're one of those people who's come up with a really, really, really easy list, there's barely anything on it, you've still broken it, haven't you? You've broken it. You've done things that even your easy list says you shouldn't do. And, and you fail to do things that even your easy list says that you're supposed to do. And that didn't happen just once or twice in your life. It's happened thousands of times. There are some people that they've only got one thing on their list. Their list is so easy. They've got the easiest list in the world. According to them, the only thing that matters when it comes to being a good person is this. Don't judge. Don't judge anybody. That's the only moral law. Don't ever pass judgment on anybody. And yet, those people that believe that way, what do they do every time they see a judgmental person? You judgmental, condescending, holier-than-thou piece of garbage. They pass judgment on them. They look down on those people because those people are so judgmental. And by looking down on them, they're doing the very thing that they're, they're, they're breaking the one rule on their list. No matter how short your list is, no matter how easy your list is, no form of legalism works. This is the whole point of the first two chapters of the book of Romans. The beginning of Romans says, no matter what your standard is, no matter how... What, what list you have, whether you have the law of God in your hands like the Jews or you don't, you've never heard of the Bible and you're just going by conscience or whatever your, whatever your standard is, that standard won't work. It'll do nothing but expose you as a bad person all, because you'll keep breaking it. It'll never make you a good person. And so we come up with, we try to come up with ridiculous solutions like, well, you know, I realize I've done bad things in the past and I've blown it, but, uh, but I'm making up for that now. Now think for a second about how silly that is. How could, how could doing what I'm supposed to do now make up for not doing what I was supposed to do before? If I, if I murdered somebody today, and then t tomorrow I go the whole day without murdering anybody. In fact, I help an old lady across the street. Does that suddenly make me innocent? Am I no longer a murderer? No, I'm still guilty. I'm still a murderer. I'll be guilty of that crime till the day I die. There's nothing I can do about that, no matter how many good deeds I try to do. There's absolutely nothing we can do about our past evils. Nothing. Nothing. You can't change the past. Nor is there anything we can do to change that thing inside us that's so messed up that it caused us to do those evil things. Jeremiah 13, 23 says that. Can the leopard change his spots? Neither can you do good who are accustomed to doing evil. You and I do the bad things we do because there's something messed up inside us and we do not have the ability to change that any more than a leopard can change his spots. That's why Paul made that comment in verse 9 about not wanting to have a righteousness of his own because he knew his own righteousness would come from the law and you're trying to follow the law and he did not want that because he knew it was inadequate. It would, it, would, it would be tainted by that thing in him that, that's messed up. 
See, the problem with every religion in the world and the problem with every non-religious ethical system in the world is all the same. None of it can do anything about the problem of sin and evil. No adherence to any list can make you a good person. Nothing you can do can ever make you acceptable in God's sight. It's just not possible. Legalism can't do it. All it can do is condemn you as a bad person. In fact, here's another thing that we're going to see in this chapter. Not only does following the list not make you a good person, it actually makes you an even worse person than you already were. Take a look at verse 5. Starting in verse 5, Paul is going to describe how he he used to be really good at this Jewish law-keeping stuff. I mean, he was like the king of it. Verse 5, circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, I was a Pharisee as for zeal, persecuting the church for legalistic righteousness, faultless. He's like, you guys think you're good at this stuff, man? When I was doing it, I had you beat. That is as good as it's possible to get uh, for the Jewish resume, what he just listed here. Every one of those, he's got the Judaizers beat at their own game. He's like, you guys are amateurs of this religion stuff, man. I had it. No one was better at following all those Jewish rules than than Paul was before he was converted. And back in the day, he was just like them. He was just like them. He thought that all that stuff were made him a good person. They were were like credits. They were in the credit column, in the profit column on his ledger. See, legalists know that they can't quite be perfect, right? And so, so they usually figure that, well, I can't be perfect, but if I can get enough stuff in the good column, the profit column, then that'll outweigh the stuff in the negative column, the bad stuff that I do, and then I'm in good shape. That'll make me a good person. If I just got more over here than I do over here, that's the best I can hope for. And that's why they think they can make up for bad stuff by doing more good stuff. But look at what Paul came to realize. This is, this is crucial. Verse 7, he says, Whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss. So all that stuff on my resume... Is lost. He's looking at his, his spiritual P&L, profit and loss form, or his balance sheet, and, and suddenly he realizes everything that he had in the profit side, he had on the wrong side. It actually belonged in the loss column. Can you imagine if that happened? Can you imagine if that happened to you financially? If you found out that all every paycheck that you've been putting in the bank for the last, uh, you know, however long you've been working your job, you thought it was a paycheck. Every one of those turned out wasn't a paycheck. It was a bill. And so instead of that much money going into your account each week, it was coming out of your account, going down. So you thought you had $50,000 in the bank. It turns out you got a $50,000 debt now. That's what happened to Paul spiritually. And that's the reality that the legalists just don't understand. It's not that all their good deeds, it's not like, they're, well, you're not going to heaven because all your, your good deeds weren't quite enough. No. The pluses are actually negatives. And so he's saying, not only was all that stuff failing to make me a good person, it was making me a worse person. Legalism doesn't make you good, it makes you a dog. It turns you into a, like these people that he calls dogs in verse 2. It'll make you a dog and an evildoer, and a, as a bonus, it'll destroy your joy in life. Because legalists do not have joy. Okay, so all of that shows the wrong way to be right, the wrong way to be good. What's the right way to be right? If rule-keeping makes you worse in God's eyes instead of better, and it prevents you from having that deep, empowering, life-giving kind of happiness and joy that God designed you to need, 
How do you, is it even possible to get to the point where you're actually a good person? Not just a good person in your own sight, where you feel good about yourself. I mean, lots of people, criminals, feel good about themselves. But, but is it possible to actually be a good person in the sight of God? The answer to that is yes, and you can see it in verse 3. Take a look at verse 3. It says, For it's we who are the circumcision. Now, we'll have to wait till next time to unpack all that he means by that statement, but the, but the bottom line of that is he's saying, we are what those dogs are trying to be. What they wish they were, what they think they are, what they're trying to be, and they're not, we actually are. We're the true people of God. We are the people who are actually righteous in God's sight. That's quite the claim. What makes you, Paul, and the Philippians, because he says we, so what makes you so good and so righteous before God? What is it? Look what he says. It's we who glory in Christ Jesus. And we put no confidence in the flesh. No confidence in the flesh. Did Paul have confidence that he was righteous? Yeah. He was super confident. He knew that he was, when he died, he was going to, going to heaven. No doubt in his mind that, that if he died, he'd go straight to heaven. He's absolutely sure he had tons of confidence. Lots and lots and lots of confidence that he saved. But not one bit of that confidence came from the flesh, meaning his own efforts, his, his performance morally in religious observance. None of it. So none of it came from that. Where did it come from? Where did all this confidence come from? Paul has made it clear what he doesn't want. He doesn't want a righteousness of his own. He does not want a goodness that comes from keeping a list of standards. So if that's what he doesn't want, what does he want? What do you want, Paul? You don't want a righteousness of your own. What do you want? Look at verse 10. I want to know Christ. That's the right method. That's the road to heaven. That's the way to become truly righteous and truly good. And that's the way to real joy, to know Christ. Not just to call Him Lord, not just to invite Him into your heart as your personal Savior, not to just be kind of pro-Jesus, or what, actually knowing Him. There's one thing that can make you a good person, and it's not doing something, it's knowing someone. The only way to be a good person in God's sight is to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, and he explains how that happens in verse 9. Philippians 3, 9, I want to be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. As often as you can remember today, stop and ask yourself, Am I walking by faith? Am I trusting in what God has said? What promise in God's word is the basis for what I'm doing right now? What I'm thinking, how I'm feeling? Trust in him and your actions will take care of themselves. Thank you for listening. If you found today's episode edifying, why not share it with a friend? This season of the Food for Your Soul podcast features excerpts from our sermon series on the book of Philippians, 50 expository sermons covering every verse. You can find those and hundreds of other sermons for free download on drichardferguson.com. Until next time, rejoice in the Lord always and set your mind on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God.